So hello, this is Tom Stern. I'm the author of uh, the novel Sutterfeld, You Are Not a Hero. And I'm here today talking to Rob Clayton of the Clayton Brothers, uh, the artists who were kind enough to let us use their artwork for the cover of the book, which excites me on so many levels that we'll get to. Um, but um, I was actually thinking about how I would like intro you guys, but then it occurred to me that that's complicated kind of because um, <laughs> yeah. like do you guys consider yourself illustrators fine artists visual art like what's the nomenclature or do you not even care we don't really I mean we, we just kind of call ourselves artists I mean that's that's what we do we we show in galleries and you know we we went to school for illustration so it was kind of part of our upbringing our father was an illustrator and he's a photographer and Christian and I both kind of just did it all and uh, never really saw much of a, a differentiating point between, you know, saying one's a commercial activity and one's not. So, you know, as far as what we do, though, it's a collaborative. So that's probably the more unique thing yep. about it and getting started and stuff. And so, well, and tell me about that because that's part of, and I could be wrong in these assessments and kind of looking at your guys' work, mm -hmm. but there's something in the work that sort of speaks to a process that seems like it's unique. And i talked to Christian a little bit, and so I kind of uh -huh. know a little bit about it, but I'm kind of curious to hear. So what, what does that look like, you guys? I guess from the point of the seed of it to begin with, is it? Well, I guess the, the studio is more like a clubhouse in a way. I mean, we just show up there every day, and, and um, you know, it's it's we try to keep it really open. So we don't like necessarily come in and say this is what we're doing today or this is you know what we have to do and stuff so as far as the studio practice goes you know we're constantly rolling through just starts of things and you know we kind of leave them laying around as kind of uh, maybe just a, a way of kind of keeping the other guy involved you know you show it and maybe he grabs it and maybe I grab it back and it just kind of starts to adapt itself doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think as far as brothers go, I think it, it's kind of a, a unique kind of situation. I mean, working, you know, we, we do a lot of lectures and stuff, and uh, we always get the question, how do you work with your sibling? You know, that's like the, the hardest thing for people to wrap their brains around, and I've never really felt like it's work, for one thing. I mean, I think it's a, a really fun experience and I I love not having the control over the final piece it's like if we jump in and something starts to shift or change and you know I, I it just it just happens it's you know I don't want to say a word like magic but it just shows up and all of a sudden it's something more than we are so and it's and I, again sort of talking to Christian somewhat um, in the past he was sort of saying or, or sort of portraying the process also as not necessarily being going through phases of dialogue that are critical, but then kind of when the painting starts that you might work for a day on something and then he would come in and be like, oh, that's interesting, and then just start painting over or yeah, altering. Or, or, or alter it or redirect it or something. And vice versa, then yeah. you would come in. and yeah. I think I talked to him once and you were in Berlin or something, and he mm -hmm. was just like, I done all the I keep on coming back to the canvas and it looks the same and it's driving me crazy yeah yeah it, it does become tough when the other person's kind of away for a while um, but we use we use story or narrative or dialogue to kind of fuel things too like the experiences that I had in Berlin at that time 
you know, it was for school. I was teaching a study abroad, so I was there for oh, quite a while, like six weeks, and, um, you know, just the relaying of stories and stuff, you know, starts to become a really great kind of building point for things, and we've always done that. We've always brought our experiences back to the studio, and, you know, oh, you should have seen this guy down the street, man. He was just, just crazy, or, you know, it's a... Yeah. And these really interesting people for a while for the last show we did um, which was called open to the public and it was at mark moore gallery in culver city um that was that, based on the thrift shop yeah it yeah. was based on sun thrift so which is out in the valley and um it's a really interesting place but me and christian have both been going there for probably about four years and um you know we would just go out there see what was happening see if you find something cool but we started to notice that, you know, all the, the patrons of the place were very regular. They would show up every week and, you know, you see the same guy sleeping in the same chair every, almost every day. And um, so we started documenting that through photography and that was a way of us kind of bringing those moments back to the studio in order to kind of communicate to each other. You know, this could be a, an interesting situation to kind of explore and, and um, kind of play around with that. We kept finding too, like, like there was a lot of uh, like paintings and drawings and these really beautiful discarded creative efforts, you know, like like this person really tried hard to paint this thing and it, like they were you could tell they were really proud of it, but it ended up back in the system. Right, <laughs> and, somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So seeing those those moments and stuff and trying to identify that and bringing that back to our practice and stuff was really really, really fun. And it was almost like we were inviting a third collaborative person into the into yeah. the moment at times, and uh, so formulating the entire show, this open to the public show, um, you know, it was kind of just about you know realizing these moments, looking at things that were lost or forgotten or discarded, and trying to reclaim them visually and bringing that back to the to the to the idea of painting or drawing, you know, these really basic things and, uh, and then messing it up with the collaborative, getting it mixed up and stirring the pot again, so. And is there, is, there that that series, there was, a, I think, another series you guys did that was um, kind of based on, a la like, experiences in a laundromat or observations in a laundromat or... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but those there are threads in those that I at least feel like I relate to um, and again my medium is totally different obviously but mm -hmm. that's part of what fascinates me there, there's sort of a hybrid quality to the things that you guys are doing or the things that you seem to be calling experiences from and, and infusing into your work which I, I relate to as well but that there's an element of them that those series in particular that feel really observed um, and but observed not in a judgmental way observed in a um, almost the, the total opposite like letting the subject itself sort of arise out of whatever that that subject is which I always find really interesting mm -hmm. as a writer how is it you know the words are the same I could use the same words that somebody mm -hmm. else use uses but how does that character come out as that character in that way how do I render who that person is are you guys conscious at all of sort of not, I mean commenting is the wrong word but building character out of the subjects of those paintings the, the character starts to kind of just show up and then they start to it's um you know it's, it's 
sounds goofy again, but they start to talk to you. They start to tell you what their role is yeah. in the painting or what they're trying to do for the painting. Yeah. And, um, you know, wishy-washy, the, the, the body of work that we were, yeah, we were yeah. working on at that time was actually directly related to a laundromat across the street from our studio. So as we would go to the liquor store to get a beer and come back and paint, we were walking by wishy-washy all the time, and that became this interesting muse. There was this kind of coming and going all the time. And, you know, you would walk by, and somebody had all their underwear out on, <laughs> you know, on the table, and they're folding it. And it's like, like these really vulnerable moments in a way. And you would walk in, and the TV's blaring, or somebody's playing, you know, they're pumping coins into the into the soap machine or something. And, you know, it was just this really interesting thing. And the sound of wishy-washy really became kind of uh, an, an interesting point, too. We haven't done that many sound pieces, but the, the recordings that we were doing for this project and stuff were were really interesting to us because we really wanted to communicate this localization of a neighborhood and, and you know this kind of uh, a friendly environment but still a vulnerable environment and um, you know everybody was seemed to always be welcome you know all walks of life you know from you know really rich people that have to wash their duvet cover and you know to, <laughs> to the guy just struggling to get to by them. who's you know got a truckload of, of dirty clothes yeah. and um, you know, goes once a month. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so it was just this really awesome kind of, and, uh, and then again, another muse for us to kind of come back to the studio and, and play around with this this idea of, you know, clean and bright and shiny, juxtaposing that against, like, the social situations, you know, that you see people in laundromats using and stuff. And yeah. um, so that was, it was a really interesting kind of way of us kind of building and then at one point we decided we we need to build the building so we built the laundromat and um oh really yeah so <laughs> that was a really interesting experience but then the sound recordings kind of anchored themselves within that structure so that became a sound installation so it had within that structure interior and exterior sound installation so the, the outside of the building was constantly the environment that the real wishy-washy was in so as sirens would go down the street or you'd hear people mumbling and stuff and yeah. you know walking around um you know and then the inside you would hear the the laundry machines going and people pumping coins into the to the stuff and yeah. We did all this really stealth, so we would go in with recording stuff and sit there and pretend like yeah. we were washing our clothes. <laughs> so it was interesting, though, as far as the edit goes. Editing the sound was was it's kind of similar to painting, but there's more of a structure to it. It doesn't necessarily make sense if you overlap too much. And yeah. So. Well, and that's in the the speaking of overlapping. I guess it depends on the different bodies of work that you guys are working on but there is that sort of layering of objects or symbols or elements into the work as well which I always see as sort of again thinking as a writer kind of an extension of the narrative mm -hmm. of that do you guys but but it doesn't feel like that's necessarily mapped out it's sort of that also just kind of comes out of the process itself yeah it comes out of the process and, and it's 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 interesting just because the I don't like to say we're a process-based artist because we're really not. It's more about the experience-based artist. So we we have this tendency to to want to get out of the studio and and go someplace and hear something or or 
see something, you know, and that might just be at the coffee shop, you know, seeing five guys stand around the back of their car digging in the back of it or something. It, it creates this weird little open-ended dialogue. And yeah. We've always kind of thought of ourselves as, as visual writers in a way. We're, we're not building a, a script, per se, or a um, graphic novel of sorts, but it does have a lot of the same tendencies that a film would have, like if you started overlapping scenes yeah. and kind of blending things that way, I think it, it, the paintings start to come out that way. You know, we're kind of really liking these ideas too of kind of playing around with simplification now, like how much information do we need in a painting in order for it to communicate the idea. And yeah. So that's been, this. We, we refer to it as the edit, where we'll bring paintings way up and then just edit them down again. And so there's like this history that's built through the painting too. So yeah, but it all it, it does, uh, at least for me anyways, feels like it 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 can tie back to. It seems like it ties back to questions on some level or like observations that would make you think like, who is that person or what is that, like what does that say about their world or the world around them that it's sort of visually like this, which again to me is interesting. I feel like a lot of my writing will sort of start in a similar place. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a character like Charleston Sutterfeld, the protagonist of my book is, um, you know, I feel like very much came from a place that was sort of asking that question of like, you know, what, what would kind of a, in, not an average guy, but a, a well-intended kind of regular guy, how would he even kind of survive in the mechanisms that are around him if he decided he wanted to try to figure out what it all meant? Mm -hmm. And I mean, in the book, it sort of takes on the context of being a, a corporation, but I feel like that could be any structure, right? Like mm -hmm. any environment, anything, you know, when you stop to think about like, you know, how, how much concrete is in the world, how many street yeah. roads there are and where all those roads go and I'm one schmuck uh -huh. and I need those roads and I, I need those roads in order to be able to like eat and in order to be able to do my laundry or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. But like it very quickly reaches a point where it's like behemoth. It's like no one guy could have made that many roads. Yeah. And so what does that structure become? And then what does it mean for an individual to sort of try to reclaim themselves from that or even uh, just sort of accept that that's part of who they are and how they live? And, mm -hmm. and to me, like that sort of seed of something in a question, I feel like a lot of the observation that I see in the characters that you guys portray, I feel like it comes from or seems like it comes from a similar place of, of looking at kind of the visual irony of something mm -hmm. all the kind of underlying things that are really being said about something that maybe nobody's even paying attention to because they're just busy washing their clothes or whatever yes yeah, the, the details i think we kind of get lost in details i think writers do that too i mean you know they they build the character but then the character has to kind of exist within the context of a story and that story isn't anything unless there's details in it right and you know that those little little moments that the writer might just like kind of pan around the room and kind of describe the situation and the the scenario yep. really helps the reader. So I think we do that too as as a as visual artists trying to give people enough information that they it's not supposed to be believable. We don't want people to think that these are narratively based moments right. and stuff. It's it's more like voyeurism in a way like like if you're looking at yourself walk through a plate glass, you know, reflection yeah. in a plate glass window or something, you know, everything kind of shifts and changes. Yeah. And, 
you know, I, 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 I don't like when people kind of refer to it as psychedelic kind of work and stuff because it really isn't. Yeah. We, don't, we don't do drugs. We don't do any of that stuff. It's, it's more narratively based. It's just us referring stories back to one another or moments or, you know, that kind of thing. But it, 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 seems, it also seems to me anyways, and, and again, it's one of those other things that made me very much want, I, when we were sort of in conversation about what this book would look like, I was like, I have no idea what mm -hmm. the book would look like, but I know these artists who make some stuff that I think kind of connects with what this book is. Um, and, and the conversation kind of spun from there and we wound up with the, the a piece which I'm curious to talk to you about too to see if you mm -hmm. have any recollection of that individual piece and the massive body of work that you do but um, part of what intrigued me about the work that sort of again felt like it was comparable in some ways was it what you were saying it's not psychedelic it's not representational but it's rooted in something representational almost the idea of taking a character and saying how could I maybe change their physical form to make them in some ways more representative of of how how I observe them, of what they really look like in in this larger mm -hmm. context, and like there's one of the kind of the main antagonists in my book is um, a man character's name is Mr. Twytharp, and he's basically a, a large ball of mush that generally resembles a human being, but mm -hmm. he and, and it's never sort of really resolved what exactly his issue is, but um, but that kind of physicality or that you know, creating a character that has that, that dynamic who also happens to be like the most powerful man in the modern economy who's mm -hmm. created like the world's first mega corporation and something about like the visual irony of that to me helps to kind of get at who that character might really be or at least as an author who I maybe want people to think about him as and mm -hmm. I feel like you guys are observing your subjects or I guess like kind of morphing them or um, foregrounding elements of them in similar ways. Is that safe to say, or is that way off base? No, it, that's, I think that's a good good kind of uh, way of thinking about it and stuff. Um, the character on the, the book cover is based off of, we did a, a body of work for a gallery in Italy, and um, that was, the, the name of the show was I'm Okay. And it was this idea of kind of having to explain that you're okay, you know. You, you say, I'm okay, and everybody goes, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I think that's what I okay, I'm okay means, is I'm not really okay. So, yeah. you know, we look at these people and the, the stuff that we were kind of creating at that moment, um, there was a, a an older therapy book that was done, I think, back in the 70s called I'm Okay, You're Okay, and it was kind of the mantra for when my parents were <laughs> raising us <laughs> and stuff. And, um, you know, it was, it was interesting as far as uh, us kind of coming back and revisiting those moments of, you know, maybe having to go to a therapist or having to, to you know, explain a situation. You know, being brothers, we were, you know, like most brothers, you become physical after a while and you get in fights or whatever sure. and you have arguments and stuff and your parents are constantly going, you know, what's up with these kids, man? They're just driving me nuts. And, um, you know, so them kind of justifying that and asking, you, are you okay? You know, so this whole idea of being okay, <laughs> it sounds really weird, but there's an innocence about drawing that happens, you know, the spontaneity. A kid will draw a character and that character just exists in its own world. Um, you know, the kid gets lost in that world and yeah. stuff, so we're really trying to, to kind of allow those characters to 
come out in yeah. some sort of way. So, um, you know, that is one of those characters. It was just this kind of us kind of letting these people come to yeah. us and kind of present themselves and, yeah. you know, they might have a bent nose or they might have, you know, um, like he had a, 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 like a gold orb over his head, yeah. not like a halo, but it was like almost like a weight. Um, so, you know, and this kind of innocent look in his eyes too, like, like kind of shocked or, or uh, um, be, bewildered yep. in a way. So. Yeah. Is, um, and that's, so is that sort of a, a place where you're, when you're making that sort of let something be whatever it is, kind of a, I mean, again, to say a lack of criticality is not really fair, but in some context, thinking of it in that way, is that something that you guys focus on? I know for me, writing, it, it is. It's mm -hmm. especially during like the early drafting phases of things. It's like, get out of your up. own way. Just mm -hmm. shut up. Just let it be whatever the heck it is mm -hmm. and then figure it out. And I feel like that winds up taking more time than somebody who maybe is outlining or um, you know planning and, and plotting all those things out. But for me, with writing, there has to be like an element of discovery to it as well. Like mm -hmm. in order to sustain my interest long enough, I have to not know exactly what it is and I have to be trying to figure out what it is in that process. Mm -hmm. Is that a part of it for you guys or? Yeah, no, it's, it's very similar. I mean, that's the, the, you know, as a collaborative, I think people think maybe we stand next to each other and paint at the exact same time. Right. But the open studio <laughs> format that we have is, you know, this coming and going, you know, yeah. you come in, you leave a mark, you see if the other guy responds to it, sometimes they don't, sometimes they do, um, you know, and it builds over that kind of course of time and stuff. And, yeah. you know, to, I guess, I guess maybe for a writer sitting in a room writing on their own, it would be like if you were sitting with your editor and the right. editor was actually editing, you know, while like you were, while yeah. you, you would spit it out and they would edit it and you'd yeah. spit it out. They'd be like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That's, or, no, that's, that's not, that's that not that the word, word you want. No, let's, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think at first that might feel unbearable to do, yeah. but maybe there would become a cadence to that, you know, yeah. where you would start to, to collaborate, you know, yeah. to allow the process to happen. And, um, you know, I think that's the, the interesting thing, and that's that's I think that's mainly why me and Christian have stayed a collaborative. I mean, it's it's this wonderful thing that 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 you just kind of let your ego go and know that the painting's going to change or may not even be there. So, yeah, you know, to me, it's kind of the, the history of the mark and you know yeah. what it's turned into that becomes the interesting thing overall. Do you ever walk away and there's some element of it that you just love and you come you, back and you it's get, not there? You get a, I mean, I, I can't lie, you get attached to things. Yeah. You think, oh, this is the direction this painting's got to go in and yeah, yeah. the other guy might change it and it, sometimes it's like it takes you a second and you got to step back and you got to kind of think and which to me keeps me involved in the painting in a different way. I'm not just going through a methodology to get something done. Yeah. The methodology's kind of controlling, you know, it just yeah. changes it so drastically that... Yeah. Well, and it probably, it probably even becomes a mechanism that keeps you from becoming overly critical because you're well, kind of surrendered to that process, or overly self-critical, mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, we talk with one another. We'll discuss paintings, you know, in the mid-process and, you know, through that conversation and stuff. Maybe one of us is critical. Maybe one of us 
is not critical, and, yeah. but we have to come to that middle ground, which kind of starts to make the painting become its own yeah. thing. It starts to have its own voice. Yeah. So it, it seems to be, for me, it, I mean, as far as the process goes, it's been really working well, and I, yeah. I just enjoy oh, it, and I, I'm sure I can speak for Christian, and he enjoyed it immensely, yeah. too, so... Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I'm, again, I'm biased, but I, <laughs> it's the, the fact that all of these things we're talking about, at least to me, are so apparent in that, too, is pretty remarkable as well, that it's, like, vibrant with those elements, with those things, which I feel like you don't see as frequently in bodies of work, but mm -hmm. I sense a collaboration of observation, of experience and space and all those things. Um, we did a show a while ago in... Um, China there was a gallery there that was really interested in our work and he brought me and Christian out to, to be in China because he wanted us he, he had a, a Chinese collection base was like people he sold Chinese art to Chinese collectors and he really wanted to disrupt that in some sort of way he wanted them to collect outside of the Chinese culture yeah. and um, so he thought it would be a good idea if he brought us in just as this kind of interesting situation to kind of get people to see that there's this other thing that's happening out there that there's, it's different and stuff so he flew us in and he kind of cut us loose in China for a few days and we just wandered the streets which was super awesome but you know the one thing that we were looking for within that whole experience was the thing that, that our cultures shared like what could we bring to China that they still would kind of understand in some sort of way you know and you'd walk by the Chinese medicine shops and you know the doctor's offices and things like that and that was kind of an interesting kind of point of view to take with the whole thing but when we got back to the states we were starting the show and we were just like wow what are we going to paint this is going to be really hard to kind of you know we don't want to paint stuff that's derivative or you know yeah. like uh, too like Chinese looking you know we don't want too it to be too much of a commentary yeah, or yeah, a, yeah. yeah we don't want it to be you know uh, what it's not so right as we started working on the show we hear this horrible screech crash out in front of our studio and we ran out and this guy had gotten whacked by a motorcycle and uh, or no no motorcycle got whacked by a car <laughs> and um, I'm you know running over there and Christian's on 911 you know seeing if the guy's okay and he, he gets up and he's really pissed off and stuff but he's bleeding and you know his legs all bunked up and everything and the people were really shocked that this all happened the people that hit him and they were you know just you know crazy and the, the, the ambulance shows up and you know they get him loaded up and get the bike picked up and everybody's on their way and um, you know we go back into the studio and we're, we're kind of talking about the show again and we started to realize maybe the medical thing is the thing that that you know we, we can share with with mm -hmm. them and you know so the idea of like self-diagnosis cyberchondria you know these kind of uh, mm -hmm. you know like google it <laughs> and um, yeah you know, <laughs> right. I don't feel good google it you know and, you come um, up with 12 other things yeah 12 other things that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that was kind of I said let's let's go at this and pretend we're EMTs you know cause a problem diagnose the problem fix it and that became a real interesting kind of point of view for us as the 
painter to like think about the medical profession and how people have a tendency to blow things out of proportion sometimes and yeah you know so that was that was really fun and uh, just a, another kind of interesting experience so. do you guys now for a while you guys were do you still do just work on your own or is it pretty much it's there's a lot of stuff being made at the studio all the time and you know some of it by start and but we try to keep the studio open if it's in the studio it's in the studio <laughs> it's free and day yeah free, free so range. If, if, you wanna, <laughs> if you like cutting it up cut it up you know and yeah rearrange it or do something to it and stuff so um a lot of times we'll get working on something and we'll be going through the process of uh of building it out and we both lose the the muse it just kind of starts to slip away and we both kind of lose interest in it and but we keep those around. They're carcasses, we call them. They just, uh, every now and again, we dig them back out again and go at it. And all of a sudden, it's resurrected and it's like, you know, coming to life again. And is that, so is the, I mean, I guess it's not fair to say there is a style uh, because the, the style kind of shifts from project to project that you guys are doing. But is that a style that you sort of both come to, or is that a style that you really, that kind of only evolves when the two of you are working together on something? I've never really thought of it too much as a style. Like, a style is something that, you know, you might, somebody makes a really cool, stylish shirt and you go out and buy it, and it's like, I'm a style, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I've never really thought of it that way. I think of it more as a, as a, it, it can adapt and it can change, you know, like, like, you know, thinking about the editor. You know, yeah. this edit thing that starts to show up and stuff, switches it and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't want it to be, and I, I don't think Christian wants it to be either, uh, like this thing that we do that we're just going through the motions of doing it. And, and I think through, you know, acknowledging drawing and acknowledging painting and acknowledging an art career of sorts, you know, a career, you, you shouldn't be doing the same thing right. forever. You right. need other interests you need other things to be introduced and through the two of us doing things things are constantly getting introduced and then you know sometimes it takes a little bit of time to kind of like oh wow that's something that we could kind of build off of or, or yeah. work with or um, you know we've always thought of the for a long time we were doing the sculptural stuff with these buildings you know they were they were like this room is you know beautiful aged walls and you know we were paying a lot of attention to all the little details and that kind of thing and that was really awesome and now we're starting to kind of trying to bring in other forms of of sculptural activity too to kind of start to, to mix things up again and stuff so and, and do you guys so do you w with each piece do you, you do you ever do you reach a point where you think like yeah this one's done or is it more like all right I guess we got to move on and hmm. that's just what that's going to be and because I don't think I ever reach a point where I'm like yeah couldn't get any better. <laughs> it's um, Christian always says that I I'm the one that goes it's I'm done you know really? <laughs> he, he keeps going <laughs> so but in a collaborative if he keeps going you keep I going, have to yeah. keep going too so <laughs> it's like I might say I'm done but. If he did something to it, I'm not done anymore. Right. So he makes you undone. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's always it's stopping for an artist. I think is is really hard, and you know, especially in this type of painting, I think it's really hard. So um, sometimes we heat things up to a point where it starts to change again. It just keeps building and building and building, and sometimes yeah. we need that that time frame for something to be happening so they it can leave. 
and we're really adamant about documenting things, so we're constantly shooting the studio. Mm -hmm. So just with our phones or cameras or whatever, we're shooting pieces in process, and for us to revisit those process photos is really important. It, it becomes something that kind of becomes that clarification for us. It's like, okay, that piece was, was really strong at that point, and I like it now, but you know, why can't we go back and kind of think about this scenario from that point on. Because with a painting, you can't, it's not like you can just be like, well, let's go back to draft four instead mm -hmm. of draft seven. Yeah. You have to actually, so that documenting actually kind of allows you to, to think about the draft. backward yeah. or something. Yeah. Interesting. So, or, or build from an experience, like a character might, like when we start to paint a, a person or a character, we might actually physically not us painted naked, but we'll paint them naked. Right. <laughs> you know, with, with I don't no, judge. We're, no, yeah, with no clothes, <laughs> with no clothes on. But through the course of us, you know, adding our 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 language to it, yeah. the clothes show up, and that starts to, to to dictate who this character is, or maybe what their role is in the painting. And, yeah. You know, they might be in a, a union suit, or a, you know, a plaid suit, or you know. A, weird dress of sorts you know yeah. and you know that uh, that's a, a, a kind of a fun thing for us too I think it, it helps us kind of like we're not just saying okay this is a nurse you know this was a, a, a lady you know it was a woman and then we started to identify her through her role as yeah. you know the clothing starts to support the character and yeah it's building a character know, so. again yeah is it um I know that I, uh, I think one of my regular deep-seated neuroses um, in terms of making things, um, it relates to that notion of sort of being done or, um, I guess, for me, for whatever reason, when I was, uh, I was studying at one point this, like, Italian philosopher, John Battista Pico, and he was talking about the difference between a maker's knowledge of something and a witness's knowledge of something. Mm -hmm. and. So, and, and, and to me, when I make things, I feel like I can never actually reach a point where I will be able to view it as somebody who didn't make it, as mm -hmm. just a pure audience. And so in a strange way, these things that I make, um, it, this was the case with the, the, did a couple feature films, and this is the case with this, my, this is my first novel as well, um, reach a point where I sort of basically feel like it's, bizarre that I feel so deeply immersed in this thing and yet here comes somebody who's going to look at it and have an experience that is so different from mine where I realize like ah oh, that one word is out of place and they don't even realize that word was in the book because they're focused on the story or uh -huh. the characters or the do you got do you have sort of are you in a better place than we, I am with well, like when you walk away from something well I, I kind of audience I kind of look at it as is letting it loose yeah. and the story is is adaptive so the viewer we're very very interested in like the viewer's interpretation of a painting you know yeah. what it, what is it about i don't want to have to stand there and tell them what it's about i want them to interpret it yeah. and that's what this stuff is kind of based around is is people's interpretation of of moments and um you know that is always really interesting because they come at it from a point of view that I've never even thought of before. Yeah. It didn't even yeah. occur to me that that's what that might have been about. And um, you know, a lot of times the, the paintings are so layered and so have so much information going on in them that um, 
you know, people kind of get overwhelmed at times, then, you know, that, that they start saying, like, oh, that, that kind of seems a little scary, you know, and it, it really wasn't a scary thing. It was a, for us, it was a, a very innocent thing right. that through the, like, like if you were to try to pick out a story in a crowded room of people talking, you know, like, yep. like I, I kind of view the paintings as that, that, ambient noise that's constantly around us yep. and kind of m moving around us and yep. um, that that to me is kind of like we're picking out these little dialogues in order to kind of thread something that actually might make yeah I guess like what you said the maker it always makes sense to the maker you know <laughs> it's like yep. so. yeah so yeah 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 is it um it's yeah, it, I guess, but I, it's funny because you say it always makes sense, but then I also feel like for me, one of the hardest things is like writing a synopsis of something I've written mm -hmm. or explaining to somebody what that thing is. I feel like that's like a craft unto itself. And I sometimes feel like um, on like a very deep level, I know exactly what it's about. But don't ask me because it's hard for me to tell you. Is uh -huh. it? Do you guys feel like when you walk away from a painting, like you know what that's about? I, I think we have a generalized. That's where the the idea of the show comes in. It's not necessarily just about one painting. It's about the collaboration yeah. between paintings gotcha. and the way we will sculpt a show uh, in, a, in a gallery environment. You know, there may be cross reference points where one painting is referring to another painting. And yeah. we're hoping that the viewer might, you know, they might see a gaze of somebody looking off to the side, but that person in the painting is actually looking at some other part of another painting. So that might be a kind of a, a nice entry point to this other work. Yeah. And, um, you know, so. It, Very good. Um, so we were also talking about sort of a shared love of like, makers or to me I think of it as like kind of hybrid influence for me like some of my f I mean I feel like I sound like a, an asshole when I'm saying it but like um, some of my favorite writers are like filmmakers mm -hmm. or bands mm -hmm. or um, you know somebody like um, like Errol Morris is a filmmaker I don't know if you've ever seen any of his films but like yeah he came to our studio once oh did he really yeah, yeah. oh my god what was that like that was interesting <laughs> <laughs> We were going to do a portrait of his dog. And oh, really? Yeah, he wanted, to, he wanted a painting of his dog. So. Wow. And so, <laughs> I got to know more. What, so, just what was the experience? <laughs> a, a friend of ours was in town, and he knew him. And he's a, he, was a, he works at an advertising agency. His name's Jeff Williams. He was really a, 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 he was, he was as an advertiser, and this is where the maybe the commercial side of what we do came back in. Like our job as, as artists was to always kind of fuel people's imagination and Jeff was somebody that really loved what we did and he loved the idea of trying to take what we do and use it as a source of advertising and that was just a really interesting thing for me and Christian because the audience became really big at that point. Yeah. And, um, and so there were specific ads that the work was featured in or a part of or mm -hmm. was it like motion graphic stuff or um yeah there was stuff that we did it was for white and kennedy up in uh -huh. portland and um they're just an amazing agency and full of super creative people but jeff williams and another writer's named jeff Kling, um 
they were both really just super interesting people, but Jeff knew Earl, and he brought him by the studio. He said, you got to come see this guy's studio. And so, so he was introducing the work, or mm-hmm. was Errol Morris like already a fan or didn't know? Or? I, you know, it was a long time ago, and I can't remember if he knew who we were when he came, but he was really interested in just the whole idea of a collaborative kind of point of view and stuff. So. Yeah. And so, so, so you, Errol Morris walks in, paint the picture for me. <laughs> he walks in, and he just was... Sorry, I'm fascinated was, by this. But he was really normal. He was just was a really down-to-earth guy, and yeah. just really genuine, and, you know, he wasn't wasn't anything that I wouldn't think he was. I, I think his, his films are so heartfelt, and, you know... Yeah. Um, well, that's in... Uh, Gates of Heaven, for me, that was, was like one that, this that, that seminal was, moment for uh-huh. me where... Whether it be film or whether it be prose, to me, there would just be these scenes in that movie where somebody's sitting there and they are depicting themselves as X and simultaneously, like, if you're just observing them and paying attention to anything they're saying, absolutely 100% negating that. Like, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I'm the most amazing person in the universe and just through nature of the literal words that come out, they're con- they're communicating the dead opposite. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's something endlessly fascinating about that idea of how people can be um, convinced that they are themselves one way, or maybe not, but trying to project one thing, and simultaneously actually conveying the the total opposite just through diction, just through tone or inflection, just through a detail what mm-hmm. they have on the, on their desk or, mm-hmm. um, and it was just remarkable because it'd just be these long shots it's not like it was camera trickery I yeah, mean they were sitting no. there and it, to me it was just incredible and that started kind of a cognizance for me of um, of how much space there was to kind of use use your tone as a writer in one way but actually be conveying things or communicating ideas in completely other ways but doing it with a sensitivity where you're not mocking Mm -hmm. you're not um judging you're just sort of laying something bare which i found really amazing yeah it's i mean that's exactly what we're after with you know the way that we paint and try to try to communicate things and stuff so yeah the same kind of situation we've always kind of thought of ourselves as like if we were a writer writing every other word, so I would write a word, he would write a yeah. word, I would write a word, what would that look like? Yeah, and, yeah. Or what would that sound like? And, um, you know, that was, it's, it's kind of like that for us. So, And uh, Earl's movies were very much that way. I mean, I, I think he's such a great filmmaker in, in that framework. I think he just does such a, a great, great job of that. So, And he, for me anyways... Is somebody who kind of say, like almost says about documentary, like like kind of discards the notion of like um, there can't be any edifice in something in order for that thing to still be true. Like you can, act, and people don't understand that like a documentary is just as constructed a piece of film as would be a narrative mm-hmm. feature film. Um, and to me, he was somebody who really sort of said that that's just that's bullshit. Who cares if it's if the camera didn't really see this or it did really see this or if I had to construct that shot, the idea is, does it get at the truth of the thing itself? Does yeah. it convey those ideas? Yeah. Which to me is just, again, I mean, I aspire to such things in my work. I uh-huh. hope I achieve them. Who mm-hmm. knows? But um, 
but that idea of creating something that in its edifice in and of itself is actually just sort of pointing towards something else or, or an underlying truth without having to say that thing outright. Yeah. Um, all right, so now I have to ask, so other top, other top three amazing visitors to the studio. They <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> were exciting for you guys. <laughs> can't really re I mean he was one of the, the bigger notables and stuff so do people come through somewhat frequently or is we it a pretty actually, close space for you guys you know I guess the top three there was a woman selling cleaning products that came to the studio unannounced we get a lot of unannounced like solicitors <laughs> and stuff because the door is always open and um, she came in and we were both sitting there painting Kind of it's near the end of the night and we're getting tired and stuff and she comes in and she says i have this really amazing cleaning product and we go <laughs> we both laughed because the floor is just covered with paint and we go you think you could do anything for this and she's like ah yeah i think so and she gets down and she starts to spray it on the floor and she's like scrubbing really hard to see if it comes off and it was just like you know it left this little kind of clean spot but not really clean <laughs> it's like if you just took a sponge <laughs> and scrubbed on it and stuff she just thwarted so, but then she she i'm sitting in a chair like like this and she i had these old ratty converse on that were covered with paint and she goes here sprays it on my shoe she's like starts to buff out the shoe and it's like oh man this is too weird <laughs> this is very strange and uh, she said, yeah, they just dropped me off in the neighborhood. And I guess it was like some sort of sales caravan of sorts. And they have to go out and knock on doors and stuff and, yeah. you know, make the sale. But uh, that was just one of those fractured narrative moments that, you know, yeah. we started to paint people that were like, like, not necessarily cleaning, but gathering things, like, like picking yeah. things up or, you know, those kind of situations. So. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I could talk to you uh, on and on and on, but I think we'll probably wrap it up for now. But cool. uh, thanks so much for doing this. So, um, Jeff, definitely check out the Clayton Brothers site. At a minimum, ClaytonBrothers.com, right? Yeah, that would be awesome. We'd, we'd love, uh, love people to look at the work and uh, hear what they think. Awesome. And then check out uh, Sutterfeld, You're Not a Hero as well, which is available now through Rare Bird Books. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah.